0: But yeah, so back to night one, back to Austin Theory. Uh, yeah, this is pretty much what you can expect from this podcast. We're going to, tangents are going to be on topic, but they are going to be random and they are going to be long. <laughs> um, is going on everybody it's your boy Scrooge and welcome to the first episode of High IQ Blurred Take and today we're going to be talking about Wrestlemania 39 because we honestly we have to do it I, right I feel like I feel like Wrestlemania just finished um three days ago at the time of recording uh yeah so I feel like it's something that we definitely need to talk about. I absolutely need to get into WrestleMania 39. I just don't know how I feel about it, man. I feel like if night two was like night one, I feel like everything would have been cool. I feel like we would have, you know, we would have been chilling. But unfortunately, we did not get that. So we're going to deep dive into every single one of the matches. Um, what my personal thoughts were on each match, the finish, the winner, um, all of those good things, as well as, you know, my superlatives, best match of the night, best performer, we're going to do, uh, best performer of night one, best performer of night two, we're going to do best match of both nights, best match of the weekend, um, and yeah, we're just going to kind of pretty much wing it from there <laughs> um yeah so let's go ahead and without further ado get into it um the first match man we started off with Cena in theory actually actually before we do that I just want to preface this by saying if you guys didn't watch NXT stand and deliver uh last night or not last night over the weekend. If you didn't watch that over the weekend, please go and watch that. There are some matches that are questionable on there. But if you only watch it for one match, watch it for the Fatal 5-Way for the North American Championship. It was absolutely golden. I think it was up there for match of the weekend. Yes, with the WrestleMania matches, it was just that good, if we're being honest. um, So yeah, that's exciting to see that you know NXT can still put on you know, pretty good shows that remind you of black and, like, that was a black and gold match, um, the championship match was meh, championship match was meh, just because I kind of already had a feeling that Mello was gonna win, but who knows, we'll see what happens with Braun Breaker. um, yeah, so let's get into the actual Wrestlemania cards, because I was really excited for this Wrestlemania, this is probably the most excited I've been for Wrestlemania, Um, since, I would probably say, like, it's been a minute, dude. It's been a minute. Like, probably since, like, WrestleMania 30, uh, was the last time I was this excited for WrestleMania. Of course, it's WrestleMania season, so, you know, you're always gonna kind of be in the, in the mood, you know, the atmosphere is kind of always, you know, super filled with energy and all that good stuff, but I really was not feeling the whole wrestlemania vibe from 31 to 38 it was just kind of a either i already knew who was gonna win or i didn't care you know what i mean it's just one of those things where i just i didn't feel the need to care about wrestling all that much um wrestlemania 39 and specifically this bloodline story has pulled me back in slowly like i've I've been casually keeping up with the shows Watching Raw SmackDown the pay-per-views, but I'm not doing the deep dives into the stories and you know, uh, talking on the internet with different fans about you know where they feel like the story should go and listening to the reports from you know Fightful and and Sean and you know all of those guys. But now I'm I'm back, you know what I mean? So I was definitely excited. Um, we started with Cena in Theory, and this match, truthfully, truthfully, I didn't really care about if Cena in theory like if you put I'm gonna I'm gonna name two random guys on the roster, right? And this is no shot at these guys, but if you put Damien Priest and Hmm Damien Priest and I gotta think of Elias. Elias is who I'll go with. I would not have cared about that match with the build that it had. Um just because of the simple fact that there was no real build to it they and the only build that they felt like it needed was the fact that it's a dream match for Austin Theory and Austin Theory's been a fan of John Cena since he grew up and everybody's calling Austin Theory the next John Cena and all these other things but it truthfully didn't have that great of a build to me I think that um you know Cena showing up the one night because again he's a part-timer and you know, we didn't expect him to be out there, you know, competing in matches every week, building for the match and, you know, all that other stuff. We didn't expect that. But, you know, some mic work from week to week would have been nice. You know, it would have been appreciated, but we didn't get that. So I really was not that interested into this match Um, opening the card and looking back on that night, night one. I truthfully think that if any match should have opened I think it should have been Seth Rollins and Logan Paul. Because having Seth and Logan go right before Ray and Dominic, go right before uh, Rhea and Charlotte, it was like, oh my goodness, by the time we got to the main event, I didn't know how much more cheering I could do. You know what I mean? And I think that's something that kind of pissed off a lot of people about the Miz segment on Saturday. On Saturday, the Miz segment pissed people off. Because we got banger after banger after banger. Then we got The Miz. And then we got another banger. And people were like, you should have just let the momentum ride at that point. If you're going to keep stacking these bangers on top of each other, The Miz and Pat McAfee joined by George Kittle fell out of place. And I definitely get that. But for me, the match was was solid. I mean, it did exactly what it needed to do. uh, Between John Cena and Theory, it showed... Cena that um, Theory isn't ready. Theory pretty much proved to John Cena exactly what John Cena said the first time he was there. Theory wasn't ready. When John caught him off guard, anything that John did that Theory didn't like, Theory cheated. And I don't know what type of ref rules they were using there um, to explain all of that, but I know that there was a blatant, you know, biting of the ear and biting of the hands, and we didn't see any type of DQ, um, which was a little confusing. But you know, I'm glad that they didn't end it in a DQ because it's WrestleMania, and you know, you want to see that story at least. If a story is going to start heading into WrestleMania season, you want to see it continue, especially with two guys like Theory and Cena. But if a story is just supposed to end at WrestleMania, just have it end. Don't have a DQ. Don't have the story up in the air. And I'm actually glad they kind of gave Theory the win here. He didn't need the win, but he needed the win. Um, As far as his character goes, didn't need the win. But as far as uh, the wrestler himself, I felt like needed the win. Um, Just for the simple fact that, you know, when you're feeding a young guy all these things to win the way that he did, I think it's kind of... You know, I I would feel like that's a nice little moment. John Cena's had plenty of WrestleMania moments. But for the wrestler behind the Austin Theory character, I know that that was nice to be able to get into that match and say, I beat John Cena. You know what I mean? Not from a a storyline perspective. Putting the story aside for a second, just being able to say, I beat my idol, is something that I think a lot of people... I know I wish it was something I could say. You know what I mean? So that was pretty cool to see. Um... I like the fact that theory had to resort to that stuff though. Um, like I said, it, it's great storytelling because not giving it a DQ uh, makes perfect sense because now they can go in and they can kind of they can build off of that. Cena's like, I told you you weren't ready. You had to cheat to beat me. All of this other stuff. Big match, but. He's big match John, but, you know, you kind of took him out of that space when you're biting and doing things that John had never seen before. And then that's when Theory can bounce back with a, oh, well, maybe you just weren't ready for me. You know what I mean? Because a lot of things I did seem to catch you off guard, those things being the cheating. So there's a lot that I could see this story going, but with the news we just got recently with um, with Vince, I don't know what the state of WWE is going to be, and I'm actually kind of sad about it because reuse storylines. Yeah, let's actually let's put WrestleMania aside for a second, and let's let's really get into this because events is taken back over for creative. The WWE is fucked. Like the WWE product to me has been so unpredictable over the last few months. I've enjoyed actually having debates and discussions with my friends, members of the wrestling community, all of those things, because you truly don't know what direction the story is going to go. Like, even with the result of the main event over the weekend, a lot of people didn't agree with it. I have a different opinion on it, and I'll get into that when I get into the main event, but I truthfully think that the way the Monday after went is very telling. Because it was a lot of reused storylines. We're getting Cody put into Cena's storyline post-losing to The Rock, right? So we're getting that. A lot of good segments potentially got scrapped. You know, a lot of superstars are upset. Morale pretty much just took, like, RPG to the fucking foundation of the morale tower. So I don't know how they're going to get that back with the different superstars. I don't know. Couldn't tell you, dude. Honestly. Um, but I do know that I'm looking forward to it either way. Um, whether it's good or bad, because if it's good, then obviously, you know, good product I'm gonna wanna continue watching. If it's bad, I get to see uh the fall out of that. You know what I mean? Like that was that was probably the worst way to explain that, honestly, truthfully. But um, When I say the fallout of it, I mean uh, the simple fact that uh, we'll get to see different superstars go to AW, the indies, and things like that. Those shows will become more popular. Getting to see guys like you know um, Eddie Kingston, Jay White, those guys become now main stars because WWE is slipping so much. Um, WWE got sold, and I think that might have been part of the reason why Vince was there. That's what I'm choosing to believe. But either way, I'm curious to see how it goes. WWE will have me invested until Roman hits a thousand days and defends it after a thousand days because of the simple fact that that will be a very telling move. If Roman hits a thousand days, goes into SummerSlam, especially, damn, I just got to stuttering, especially against Cody Rhodes and he wins, I will no longer be watching. I won't care. I will not care, and the reason the reason for that being that in my eyes, Cody losing at Mania was fine because I know he's gonna pick it up down the road. You can't take this into another big four pay per view with Roman over the thousand days that everybody's been. You know, I I, I couldn't give a shit about Roman winning the thousand days. I'll, I'll get more into that later. But as far as it goes with let's let's get back on topic here. Vince, and then back to WrestleMania, right? (laughs) Vince being a part of WWE is scary as fuck for not only the athletes that are a part of the roster, um, their morale, um, their stories. They're not going to be able to tell the stories they want to tell, really, because Vince is going to scrap a lot. Um, But it's also sad for the fans. We were really excited. The last, what, uh, Triple H got promoted to head of creative in July. The last, what's that, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. The last nine nine months have been not, I wouldn't say peak WWE because that I I feel like that's still a stretch, but I would say that the last nine to ten months have been very, very good, very watchable. Everything... Yes, Triple H has slipped in there, but it's always been for a reason. Like, if Triple H made a bad booking decision, like we think he does, it always has some type of rhyme or reason, and it always pieces together. You know what I mean? And so, Triple H was able to do something that Vince wasn't able to do in bringing out the fantasy bookers back. People wanted to fantasy book, because people didn't know what the outcome of certain matches were going to be. You know what I mean? So... For example, Sami Zayn was white hot leading up to WrestleMania. Um, I would argue he's still white hot now. Um, and people were fantasy booking him to win the title at Mania. People were fantasy booking him versus Cody, him versus Cody versus Roman, him and Cody, uh, him and Roman night two, him and, uh, Cody and Roman night one. And flip it. They were doing a lot of fantasy booking that I thought was really, really great. And now I feel like all of that goes out of the window because of how predictable the show is going to be. Uh, the product is going to be very predictable, and I'm actually very scared about that. Um, but yeah, so back to night one, back to Austin Theory. Uh, yeah, this is pretty much what you can expect from this podcast. We're going to, tangents are going to be on topic, but they are going to be random and they are going to be long. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to night one, Austin Theory one. I think that was the right move. That's not who I predicted to win, but based off of the fact that Cena's a part-timer um, and the fact that Cena is not going to have another long run with the mid-card title, I think that's the right move, keeping it on theory. you know, They're making these titles relevant again, and that's something that I enjoyed while Triple H was head of creative. I don't know if he still is. I don't know what the case may be, but his promo on Raw sounded like a goodbye. But yeah, so I I think that match I would probably put that match, uh, low mid tier in terms of action for me. It wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. Like it wasn't the the women's showcase match, right? It wasn't Shane McMahon in whatever that was. But we'll get into all of that later. I truthfully think that this match was probably a two and a half stars, three stars, maybe just from the fact that it had no build both superstars that were in the ring were entertaining but they really didn't get a chance to show off their movesets especially not theory um so yeah on to the men's showcase and when i tell you this match might have had some of the best performers in it of the weekend i mean it not in terms of like Oh, yeah, they're they're better right now as a whole performer, but just from their matches this weekend. I think that Ricochet, um, Angelo Dawkins, uh, they should be in that conversation. Otis, Chad Gable, pretty much everyone in that match played their role perfectly. Um, it had the perfect amount of big spots, but also it had the perfect amount of, you know, storytelling and all of these guys are trying to position themselves for the tag titles because at this point Cody and whoa who's Cody um Sammy and Kevin Owens had not won the titles yet so if they lose now we are the number one contenders you know what I mean so these guys definitely got a chance to show exactly what they were made of I think all of them took that advantage that motherfucking moonsaulted off of the top rope at 300 plus pounds. I don't think y'all understand how crazy that is. I, look, I don't know if any of y'all have ever done a standing backflip before, but take the platform you're on and turn it into two ropes uh, bound together at this pole and do a backflip off of that. Yeah, and land on your stomach. Buddy went crazy. If he would have hit that, that would have been the spot of the night. He, Whoever was there definitely would have taken that bump. I think if Braun Strowman had been there to take that bump, they probably would have went with it, or Otis even. But I think he went to do it on Ricochet, and that would have been crazy. But the moonsault from Eric Ivar, whoever, crazy. Angelo Dawkins hit-sticking Braun Strowman, crazy. Ricochet stopping himself from face-planting off of the announce table because he overshot the shooting star, crazy. Um, Chad Gable suplexing Braun Strowman with the little roll-through joint. Crazy. Otis looked good. I'm glad they didn't break up Otis and Chad Gable yet. Yes, I want Chad to have his own push, but I think that him and Otis work well together right now. I think that once they break them out of this, I think it should be over the mid-card title. Um, whenever they get to that, because I think Chad is good enough to be in the conversation. Um to go against Theory. Obviously not Gunther because whoo, we'll get to that in a second too. Um, but yeah, uh the right team won. I would have liked to see Braun and Ricochet win, but the Street Profits are leading towards something. And I would have liked to think that if Triple H had continued booking or if he continues to book, I like to think that the Street Profits are leading to a tag team breakup of sorts. Not really like a kind of like a New Day breakup, honestly, now that I think about it, because they would be amicable towards each other, but at the same time, these two, the the build that they've been giving on commentary is, which of these two is better, essentially, is what they've kind of been giving, and so I'm curious to see how that would go, you know what I mean? I feel like if the two broke up, it would be a, we need to go accomplish stuff outside of the tag team division we're both clearly better than the tag team division. No, they can't say that because that would diminish the tag team division. But we're both clearly better than just trying to fight for one title when we could fight for all of them. Um, So I think that would be cool to see, have them, you know, have like, for example, a Cesaro-Sheamus best of seven, but like a flipped version of it where they don't hate each other, they just want to see who's better and they can't get the best of each other. If that turns into if that turns into a Angelo Dawkins heel turn, I'm not mad at it, or a Montez Ford heel turn, again, not mad at it. But whoever <laughs> whoever it is, I think that they should definitely definitely have a best of 7 um continue building on the who's better out of the street profits. And then if it ends up that they come back together and realize that they're just, you know, a dominant tag team and that's how they end up winning the tag team championships and holding on to them for a decent bit, I wouldn't be mad at that either. Um, they won. Uh, the performer of this match, probably the performer of the night was honestly in this match. I would go ricochet um, from this match for performer of the night, but he's not my personal performer of the night. Um, but if I had to pick somebody from this match, this match was top five to me of the weekend. Um, the top five matches to me of the weekend were uh, Rhea Charlotte, the Usos versus Cody and Sammy, that North American fatal five-way, the triple threat for the Intercontinental title, and then that men's showcase. It was just absolutely phenomenally done. I loved it. Um, yeah, on to the next uh match. What did we have next? Next, we had Logan and. Yeah, next, we had Logan and Seth. And this match, first off, their entrances were okay. Their entrances were great. I like that they did the, you know, they still did the WrestleMania thing where they had these guys spruce up their entrances, but it wasn't too much to overshadow the. All of the ones with, like, bigger entrances had bigger stories to tell. So your Cody and your Sami Zayn, your Ray and your Dom, you know, your uh your Rhea, your Charlotte, your um I keep saying Cody and Sami Zayn, your KO, your Sami Zayn, your Usos, um, your Rhea, your Charlotte, your Dom, your Ray, your Cody, your Roman. All of those matches had bigger entrances. Uh this one is kind of more of a can be seen as a part timer versus full timer type match. So it definitely had that kind of implication to it, if you could even call that. Um, well, yeah, so match starts. First off, wait a minute. Go back. What was Seth wearing at the beginning of that match? Because for me, for me, I thought everybody said Seth's ring gear was fire. I was like, how did you get there? Because I didn't. It, it might have been just the pink Um, not the color specifically, but you know what I'm talking about, the pink garb he had, it was like a leash thing, branching down into something right above his nipples type deal, or right above his chest, and it was, it was a strange thing, but once he took it off, everything else looked great. Um, he came out, wrapped up like a horribly wrapped Christmas present, which I thought was cool too. Then we got, uh, Logan's entrance, I think Logan's entrance might have honestly been first, oh well. Um Logan came out on the zipline drinking the Prime, had the Prime bottle dancing on the stage for him. All that good stuff. It was cool. Match starts, great match. Amazing match. If it wasn't for every match, if it was on night 2 it would be the second best match of the night. Um but every other match overshadowed this match except for Theory versus Cena and the the mid shit. So I think that it was very very well done. Um Logan splashing KSI through KSI in general killed his role. Uh you know, he pulled Logan, he face revealed, his face is now a meme in that prime bottle so I think that's hilarious. I love to see that. And then they gave him the splash treatment because obviously the biggest star is biggest stage LA. Um Roman, who's Roman? Why do I keep bringing up these random guys? Seth picks up the win over logan (laughs) um seth picks up the win over logan i think that that's well deserved i think that that's well needed because you put logan on the map with the win and then where does it go from there you know what i mean logan gets the win then seth has to kind of just pick up the pieces again which is what he's been doing for a while now so i'm glad we didn't have that same seth lose seth build himself back up seth lose repeat thing that we've been getting but Seth makes it work because his crowd control is amazing his crowd control is amazing his storytelling is amazing and obviously he can work pretty much with anyone so wouldn't have been mad if he lost I wouldn't have been pissed but I would have been upset because it just didn't make sense for him to lose this one you know what I mean um but I think that uh my brain just farted Um, but yeah, I think that Seth winning was the right thing to do. I think that, you know, having him get the W allows him to launch himself back into potentially the world title picture, please, the world title picture again, whether it's, don't have him deal with Cody no more. I'm sick of that. Have him deal with the, he's a face now, so have him get involved in the bloodline story. Why not? Have him, you know, help be the piece that launches them over the edge. Have Randy Orton return as heel Orton. Um, Do something. Put him in a feud with, you know, who hasn't he feuded with that's pretty good. If they're shaking everything up, have him feud with Sheamus. Have him feud with Drew. Have him feud with Gunther. Something. Give Seth something to do because I'm looking forward to it. Um, As far as Logan Paul goes, I think he definitely proved himself in this matchup. I think that he set out to do whatever he set out to do because my brain just farted again. So I think he set out to prove that he could hang, and I think he definitely proved that. I think that there wasn't a time where it looked like he was green. Everybody knows he's green, but it didn't look like that, and it never felt like that. You know what I mean? It always felt like he was doing exactly what was needed of him and his technique his technical work is definitely very good that's something I can appreciate about Logan not in the sense of like technical work as far as like submissions and holds and things like that but the little details in his spots and his bumps and his selling that he does is always to protect not only the other wrestler because they're a full-timer but himself and I think he does that very well so if any fans were still not a fan of Logan Paul as a person, I get it. Cool. But if you're not a fan of Logan Paul as a wrestler, I have to kind of question that. You know what I mean? Just because he's proven to this point that he can hang and put on quality matches. Like, it wasn't apparent to me that Seth carried that match. They both did amazing in that match. Um, I would give that match a... And a half, just because anything else that I consider top five is a four and a, a four or higher. Um, the men showcase I would put at a four stars. On to Ray versus Dom, and man, yo, the build up for Ray versus Dom has been. If it wasn't for the bloodline story, the Ray versus Dom story would still be enough to pull me back in. Prison Dom has been hilarious uh his stuff with the judgment day hilarious all the mommy shenanigans hilarious i think that they've done all of that stuff real, uh very very well i think that him playing that up especially oh my goodness yo i know i know y'all saw buddy's entrance with the correction officers and the keys and having him in handcuffs and having him be unlocked having a, a police escort to the ring I rolled, I died for like 30 minutes, 30, because I could not, I was so, I wasn't upset, but I was so perplexed that they would, perplexed is a big word, (laughs) I was so perplexed that they would have this man come out, because I thought at this point, I thought he had shaken the prison thing, you know what I mean, like, he wasn't focused on it as much, but, the way that they had the, the vignette for him, you know, in prison and, you know, walking out and then getting in the corrections uh, truck and then the truck making its way to the arena. All that stuff was so cool. And it would have been my favorite entrance of the weekend if his dad didn't come out and say, I can show you better than I can tell you. Everyone, everyone was saying, and this is one thing that I love about Triple H real quick on another tangent. Every single person was saying Dom in the Lowrider. And when I say every single person, that includes myself. I was like, Dom better get out here in this Lowrider so we can actually get to boogie. Didn't happen. But, 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 it made up for it. Why? Because we got Ray in the Lowrider. Ray in the Lowrider coming out to Eddie's themes, you know, after he just restored the Latin world, the Latino world order. So that was cool to see. He came out in Snoop's Lowrider. You know they're bumping, and then he gets out there. He's doing his thing. He's got a Power Rangers mask on. If we're, let's talk about that mask for a second, because I don't know who told him to hard case, hard back cover his masks the way that he did. But yeah, definitely did. It was cool for him to get the Hall of Famer treatment. Now you know where he gets the WWE Hall of Famer. Yeah. That joke was fire. That joke was absolutely great. And it worked. It worked. His entrance was by far my favorite of the weekend. He came out. They had an amazing match. Everything that could go right in that match went right from a storytelling perspective, from an action perspective. Match was really well done. Dom hit the 619 on Ray at one point. Bad Bunny interfered. The Latina World Order came out after the Judgment Day came out. All that good stuff. It was great. It was amazing. Oh my goodness. I cannot give enough praise to how well that match was done in terms of a story thing. Because uh, Ray's gotten sick of tired of dealing with Dom and the Judgment Day. So he reformed the Latina World Order behind him. And they had been pairing him with Escobar recently. And I thought they were going to muddle it and make it a tag match with... Ray and Escobar versus Dom and Damien, because Damien was the only member of the Judgment Day who didn't have something to do Come WrestleMania, so I thought they were gonna you know meddle with it by making it a tag team match, and i would have I would have hated that for sure. I would have absolutely hated that because that story did not need Damien and Escobar in the ring. However, on the outside, they both did their jobs very, very well, you know. Uh, the storytelling of the fact that Ray is finally finding some help to deal with his son, and Ray's not the only one that's sick of his son's shenanigans, especially when it comes to being proud of who your father is and Latino heritage and the... uh, What is the word? Sacred to t, The sanctity. That's the word. Uh, Sanctity of the mask. So seeing the Latino World Order come out, and attack Edge and Dame. Why do I keep mixing people's names up? Finn and Damian. um, Seeing the Latina World Order come out and attack Finn and Damian was something that I really loved to see. I Truthfully, I think that the only way this match would have been better for me personally is if Dom had picked up the win. Not in a retirement match for Rey Mysterio or anything like that because they never booked it as a retirement match. They never promoted it as a retirement match. You know, it was never uh, mask versus career or career versus judgment day or whatever the case may be. It was never promoted at that as that. And I think if it was that, I probably would have picked Ray to win. But I thought the judgment day was going to sweep. I know why they didn't because uh Ray needed to go over. He went to the Hall of Fame. So makes sense that he went over. Also, you know, this clearly isn't how their story's going to end. Their story is clearly going to end with Ray passing the mantle to Dominic and Dominic gladly accepting and Dominic breaking away from the Judgment Day or the Judgment Day turning face as a whole. We will see. But overall, this match for me, four stars right up there with the men's showcase. I thought this match was excellent. It did everything right. Um, there were some slow spots, but... Nothing that was, like, too slow to make you just uninterested. That's the other match we got. Okay, okay. It just came back to me because I, this is how irrelevant this match was to me. And this might make some people mad, but Becky, Trish, Lita versus Damage Control was another match that we got. We got that either before Logan and Seth or right after Logan and Seth. One of the two. I think we got it before Logan. right after the showcase either way just wasn't interested just wasn't interested if we're being honest um the build to it has drug on far too long for a story that's not that interesting the uh control alt delete damage control has not done enough for me as a faction to scare me to warrant a becky trish and lita needed to beat them If they had even put Becky, Emma, and Dana Brooke, I would have been like, okay, Like I feel like they should beat them. No, that's kind of out of pocket, but that's just how upset I've been with Damage Control's booking uh, to this point, because it just has not been great. What have they really accomplished? They won the tag team championships, yes, but at the same time, there were no other women's tags when they won them. Now they didn't put their noses where they don't belong in Becky Lynch's business, and now they're getting dogged. You know what I mean? So it's like the faction hasn't done enough to convince me that they should be considered a threat at all. So we got that match. That match was the second worst match of the weekend to me, in my opinion. Uh, I think it was probably one and a half stars, two stars, just because of the people we got in the match. Because I love... Becky Lynch, I love Bayley. You know, I'm rooting for Dakota Kai. Io Sky is generational high flyer. Lita, Trish, Legends, you know, I'm rooting for these guys to have a great match, and it just missed the mark for me personally. i not even really going to waste my time talking about that match. I told everyone this after the fact. I was like, yo, I do not want to hear about damage control being a threat to anything ever again. I don't care. If they break off of Bailey and they have Bailey fighting Dakota Kai, cool. If they break off of Bailey and have Bailey fighting De- uh, Eo Sky, cool. But if they're still doing things as a faction and still doing three man tags, I'm not interested and I won't. I won't be tuning in to those. I, I will. Those would be bathroom break matches to me, because you can't convince me that they're a threat to anything right now, and their character work isn't good enough to make them a threat. You know what I mean? Like. Seth Rollins is always dangerous as a main event threat just because of the simple fact that he can play mind games with you like no other. And a lot of times in WWE, your character determines whether you get buried or not. If your character is even somewhat decent, you won't get buried. You might be like, for example, R-Truth, right? R-Truth is probably uh, one of the most well-known jobbers of all time. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't even consider him a jobber based off of that 2011 run. Um, But nobody is saying they bury R-Truth because R-Truth's character is funny enough to where you can't get rid of him and the impact he has on the fans and all of those things. As well as um, he's doing a whole bunch of crazy shit. Like, who comes out in the middle of the Royal Rumble... And throws a ladder up and climbs the briefcase and goes, R-Drew. So it's like when you create a -a one-of-a-kind character with a -a one-of-a-kind story, they can't really be buried to me. Like James Ellsworth. James Ellsworth, his character was so just you don't expect him to win anything that no amount of losses would bury him. He lost to Braun. Cool. He lost to Dean. Cool. He lost to AJ. Cool but it's like you can never really expect that much from him because he was booked as a he was booked as a loser but the fans were just so high on him so i love characters like that but damage control does not have that eo sky is great people know what bayley's capable of her run uh before she got injured with the women's championship when she first turned heel and brought out that rose plant um yeah that run was amazing solid People love Dakota Kai, especially people that are big fans of NXT. I'm just getting into NXT, so I'm not the biggest fan. But there was no interest there. You know what I mean? Like, it was just kind of one of those things where it was like, okay, Becky, uh, Trish, and Lita won like we expected them to. You know what I mean? And normally, if your prediction is right, you know, you don't get upset because the match quality was good or whatever. But the truth is... Damage control is not someone to be taken seriously, at least in my eyes. Then we got Rhea versus Charlotte. The best women's match of the weekend wasn't even close. They cleared every other match on this card for the women. They cleared every other match on this night. Rhea and Charlotte had the best match of the night. Absolute banger after banger after banger. After buying banger, <laughs> as uh, one of the WWE foreign stars would say. Um, but yeah, so Rhea and Charlotte cleared everything. They did exactly what they needed to do. I loved that, you know, we pretty much got a better version of their first match where they're just unleashing the beast on each other. They already know what each other is capable of. And this was one of those matches for me that was especially interesting because I wasn't a fan of the build up to it. I thought that the entire build was just, you've beaten me before, but I'm different now. And Charlotte's build to it was, I'm great, so I'm just going to continue to be great, and that should be enough to beat you. And that, to me, was whack. Oh my goodness. It was, it was horrible. I did not fuck with that at all. Like, that whole build was just lame. It was the same thing every week. And how can anybody take that build as something to tune into? But because of the people that were in the match, I was like, fine, I'll sit through it. Did it start off slow? Absolutely. Absolutely started off slow. But over time, it when it picked up, it got to a Got to fluttering, flying like a bird. Um, they hit each other hard. They were hitting each other hard, not Gunther, Sheamus, and Drew hard, but hard, hard. Rhea picks up the win as we thought she would, but again, you know when you're expecting something, the match makes it better when it does happen. Rhea got her WrestleMania moment. She went absolutely crazy. You know she did her thing. She gave a little content to all of the. Uh, people who aren't fans of WWE but are fans of Rhea Ripley, you guys know those people. You know what I mean? Who you know aren't fans of WWE but would sell their souls for Rhea Ripley. It's me. I'm him. Um, but yeah. So Rhea got her moment. Charlotte smiling on the ground outside of the ring. I think that that could be for two reasons. Uh, one could be she's you know laughing at herself. Because she underestimated Rhea, two could be she's happy that Rhea, someone she watched come up in uh, NXT, and the performance center is finally getting her moment. Um, they never really specified if Charlotte was a face or a heel throughout this entire build, too, which I guess also could have made it feel funky. But either way, I'm glad Rhea got that moment. I'm glad Rhea, you know, was able to hang the belt high. It looks like she's going into something with Bianca. I'm curious to see how that's going to turn out. As far as Charlotte goes, if Charlotte comes and fights Bianca, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> please don't. I do not. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I do not care for Charlotte and Bianca again. I don't want it. I don't want Charlotte and Bianca. I don't want Becky and Bianca. I don't want Bailey and Bianca. Give me, Give me somebody else. Give me... Tiffany Stratton and Bianca. Give me Zoe Stark and Bianca. Give me Gigi Dolan, J.C. Jane. You know somebody from the the NXT roster. Don't give me anybody on Raw right now. Shoot, give me Emma versus Bianca at this point. Give me Chelsea Green, Chelsea Green versus Bianca. Um, but as far as Rhea goes, Rhea has plenty of challengers. I think the first one that a lot of people are gonna want to say because she's the SmackDown Women's Champion, is Liv Morgan. So, interested to see how that goes. Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross versus Rhea would be fire. Um, They had Nikki Cross in, in the backstage area, doing the uh, up-up-down-down down simulations of matches. I was like, damn, Nikki can't get a spot on this card. It would have been cool to see Nikki and, you know... I would have loved to see Nikki and Liv tag team this weekend. I know Liv's partner is Raquel, but I would have loved to see Nikki and Liv team up. Um, Yeah, I don't know where Rhea's first feud is going to be. So, who knows? Um, Me, personally, I think Rhea's first feud for the title should truthfully be... I don't know. That's such a crazy... I feel like it should be, like, somebody from her past. You know what I mean? Somebody from, like, NXT. Somebody she's had history with in WWE. Um, then we got The Miz versus who? Uh, Pat McAfee. <laughs> and let me tell you something. Everybody else hated this match. And Okay, so there are three schools of thought on this. Like, Dwight Schrute. Three schools of thought. Everybody hated the match because... It was in the middle of Rhea and Charlotte and the Usos and KO and Sami Zayn. Everybody loved the match because it was a good decompress from the women's match we just saw. And then there's me, who didn't even really know the match was happening until I saw Pat McAfee coming out. And then I was like, okay, because I went to the bathroom. I was like, okay, they're going to play the vignette for the tag team match. It should be a long one because there's a lot of story to recap. And then they're going to give us the tag match. And nope. I come back and Pat McAfee is skipping down to the ring. And I'm like, well, last time you skipped down to the ring unexpected, it was for Royal Rumble commentary. So I was like, maybe he's on commentary for the tag match and he just had to be here for it. And he just barely made it. No, he got in there and him and The Miz got after it, which I thought was cool. I would love to see them actually go. Um, when The Miz is, like, fully dressed up and stuff. Because, again, The Miz can tell a story. The Miz can do his job well. And I think that's why a lot of people like The Miz. George Kittle, of course, interfered. Blasted The Miz. Got the pen one, two, three. My favorite part was that the match was set up by Snoop Dogg. I thought that was the icing on the cake. I just think that, you know, Snoop Dogg... Being a part of WrestleMania, being a part of people's entrances, being a part of booking decisions was great. It was everything that I would expect Snoop Dogg to do. Snoop Dogg just be doing side quests for real. Then we got the tag match. Oh my goodness. The tag match had, in my personal opinion, the performer of the weekend. I think that from top to bottom, Everything that Jay Uso did in that ring was amazing, and there's not a lot you can say or do to convince me of otherwise. Just hearing the heel work that he was putting in in the ropes, you know what I mean. Um, just hearing the way he was talking to Sammy and berating Sammy and berating Kevin, and just giving that little hint of storytelling on top of the fact that they were, they were throwing them kicks, yo. Know? At some point. And this is exactly why people say the super kick should not be considered a finisher. Um, the only one that's valid is Sweet Chen. Because they threw that super kick so many times, dude. And it connected so many times. And Sami Zayn kicked out so many times. I just feel like, past a certain point, there was just no need for them to use the kick outs, um, and the pin attempts. They should have just kept beating the crap out of them. You know what I mean? But Sammy and KO picked up the win like I thought they would. Five star match. Five star match, in my opinion. Actually, I'll go four and a half. I'll go four and a half. The reason why it's not five stars to me is just because it felt a little too basic. At, at some point it got to spamming finishers. Um with the one D, the super kicks to the chin, the double super kicks to the chin. All the tag team special moves that the Usos have, they pulled out multiple times, and at some point it was just like I'm not interested anymore in, you know, all of these kicks because, yes, did I know Sammy and KO were going to take the win? But when you have that many pin attempts, it slows down the flow of the match, to me, at least. I think this match was the second best match of night one. I think that it's still easily top five, though. And I think Jay was the best performer of night one. Um... Arguably the weekend, because we're about to talk about somebody who could definitely take the weekend slot um, when we get into Night 2. Um, so just just a recap of Night 1. Uh, Theory beat Cena. The Street Profits win the Men's Showcase. Becky and the Legends beat Damage Control. Ray beats Dom. Logan loses to Seth. And Sammy and KO are your new tag team team champions on to night two. however night one let me tell you all the story all right this is gonna this is gonna sound insane night one we leave off on such a mental high in fact i pretty much pulled a you ever <laughs> you ever uh had uh christmas day jitters so you go to sleep early and you're like the sooner i go to sleep the sooner it'll be christmas the sooner i can open these presents and get to this money um, yeah, I had that, but for WrestleMania, so, for me, WrestleMania, I was, like, after night one, I jumped in the bed, threw the covers over my head, and was, like, please, get me to night two, A-S-A-P, because, let me tell you something, that junk was insane, I was so ready for night two after night one, night one as a whole, I would probably give a four stars, four stars. Probably a 7.5 out of 10. Whatever. Say what you will to that. 8.5 out of 10, not 7.5. Then we got Night 2. And oh my lordy, dude. Night 2. Night 2 hurt my heart so bad. Because all of the matches I was especially excited for just kind of went by the wayside. Like in terms of booking the matches. The only one where I knew the outcome for sure was Gunther and Sheamus and Drew. I knew Gunther was going to retain. They're building him so strong, and I'm here for it. I would love to see him go up against a Johnny Gargano next or, you know, somebody of that nature. But we start the second night with Omos and Brock. Yeah, no, Omos and Brock started the second night. And I'm like, okay, you know, they're starting off with a slow burn. Uh, or They're not starting off with a slow burn. They're starting off with a legend going against a new guy looking to prove himself. The same way they did in night one. They're formulating this really well. You know, all of this other stuff. Then we got the match. And oh my goodness. We got that match. And when I tell you I have never been more disinterested in a Omos-Brock Lesnar storyline after that match, I never want to see it again. Never want to see it again. Brock was supposed to be, I guess, feeding Omos? You know, making sure that Omos is built up to be this world-dominating force. And then one, F- one F5 later. Let me tell you something, how crazy it's got to be. You know how many random people I've seen kick out of two F5s that aren't 400 pounds and 7 feet tall? None. So, yeah. Brock managed to get him up after Omos. Omos dominated what looked to be like part of the match, but Brock dominated the rest. Three suplexes and then one F5 later, and Omos is counting sheep at the freaking... (laughs) At the freaking Wrestlemania, laying there in the middle of the ring, just probably crying, truthfully. Then, we got, what did we get? The Women's Showcase. Oh my goodness. This Yeah, this is about to be a rant. I can feel it. I can feel it. This is about to be a huge story, dude. Um. We got the Women's Showcase. It had four teams in it. Three of the teams had a showcase. The team that won did not. I have never been more upset at booking. This is when I knew it was all going downhill. I expected that match to be bad, right? But let me tell you something. They 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 got me. And let me explain how they got me, okay? They got me by having the men's showcase go first. The men showed up and showed out. I did not care about... Either of those showcase matches before the men's showcase match. Going into it, I was like, I'm just going to watch it for... I was watching it for the Street Profits and then Chad Gable. That was it. That was all the info I needed. I was like, I'm watching this for the Street Profits and Chad Gable. I was like, Braun and Ricochet are cool, but I expected them to win at that point. So I'm like, I don't really need to watch them because I'm going to be seeing a lot of them. And obviously they put on one hell of a match. So I'm thinking, if the men did this... And I was looking at the quality of women that we had in the match. I'm looking at Raquel Gonzalez. I'm looking at Liv Morgan. I'm looking at Chelsea Green. I'm looking at, you know, Shayna Baszler. I'm looking at, yeah, that's pretty much it because we had what? Ronda, blah, Uh, Natalya, double blah, Shotzi, quadruple blah. I almost said quintuple. That's another big word for Elmo. I got to stop. Um, and then who is oh Sonia Deville. Sonia Deville, I don't mind. I, I do mind those other three. The ones that I went black for, they're just not good at the end of the day. Sonia Deville, I don't mind though. She knows how to sell and she does it well. So gonna leave uh Sonya up out of there. But those three Rhonda, uh Shotzi, and Natalia, who cares? That's what I that who Cares. So yeah. So we let that go. Um Raquel and Liv look super strong. The complaint department, which I've seen a lot of I don't know if there's their official is that their official name? I don't know if that's their official name, but the complaint department, uh Sonia Deville and Chelsea Green, they also looked good. Shotzi and Natalia look like Shotzi and Natalia. And then boom. Ronda and Shayna somehow pick up the win. Yo, when I tell you I've never been more confused by a finish of a match ever in my life, Ronda and Shayna won the match doing two moves. One one move apiece. Ronda did something to the outside, and then Shayna did something to the outside. Both of them. Whack. Get them out of here. Right? So I'm thinking to myself, okay, why did they need Ronda and Shayna to win this? This must mean that a turn is coming. Because at this point, the pacing of the matches was going fast. And then it only sped up, if you know. Um, so, yeah. So I was like, okay, whatever. You know, we'll just keep it pushing. Um, Yeah. It was weird. It was weird seeing Ronda and Shayna win that. But, oh well. We move on. Then we got... Oh, Brock and Omos and the women's tag match are both one and a half stars. Whack. Wow. Then we got. Did we get Edge versus Finn after that? I don't feel like I don't feel like we did. Did we? Um, what other matches were left? Edge and Finn, the main event. The triple threat. That's exactly what we got. Edge and Finn, main event. Triple threat. Uh, the women's showcase. Omos and Brock. Uh. The Miz versus, uh, the Miz versus Snoop Dogg and Shane McMahon, whatever, right? I feel like I'm missing a match. I'm definitely missing a match. Whose match am I missing though? Let's see. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Night two WrestleMania card. Let's see. Um, Gunther, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Edge, Balor. Uh, the Women's Showcase. Belair and Asuka. There we go. There we go. I knew I was missing another women's match. Okay. So we got the triple threat first. Right? That triple threat was the best match of the weekend. And Gunther should be in conversation for performer of the weekend. All three of them. All three of them, actually, now that I think about it. They beat the hell out of each other. And I wish I was exaggerating when I said this. Sheamus, first off, I'm not even counting Sheamus the way Sheamus looked. Because Sheamus walks out white, he steps in the ring, and they do his ring announcement, and the sound waves turn him red. So, I'm not even worried about that guy. Right? (laughs) Yeah, Sheamus walks out there, and the sound waves off of the microphone turn him red. So, not worried about him. Um, Drew and Gunther looked destroyed at the end of that match. The way they were beating the crap out of each other, um, especially that double team where Sheamus was taking the 10B to the, what is it, 10B to the Badron, and uh, Drew was mixing in some chops to Gunther, they tore him up. It got to a point where it, it was so bad that you could visibly see Gunther retreating from the chops because, you know, the chops are not like, like, kicks, they slap, like, their thigh or, like, somewhere near their chest or something to sell it and make the, you know, the slapping sound like it made contact. Um, the chops are straight to—it's an open hand to your chest. At some point, Gunther, you can see him turning away because they are beating the hell out of each other. This match was absolutely insane. Uh, Drew goes for a Claymore. He gets Brogue kicked. They made Sheamus look like he really could have done it. They, they made— all three of them look like they really could have snatched the title from whoever in that match. We had it. We saw Cloverleaf. We saw, I think we saw a camel clutch. Gunther uh, was chopping Sheamus silly, tearing him up toward Drew McIntyre up. They, oh my goodness, they brawled. They brawled. I thought Sheamus had it. Sheamus broke kicked uh, Drew out of that Claymore. And I was like, Sheamus is going to take it. He's for sure going to take it. For sure going to take it. And then it just didn't happen. It did not happen. So, that was whack. But other than that, just because I want... Sheamus has been my favorite since he looked like Gonzo. Um, back in like 2011. So, it's been it's been a minute that I've been a big Sheamus guy. Um... yeah big Seamus guy so I was rooting for him Grand Slam especially because KO got the Grand Slam before the night before um people will say he didn't he definitely did anybody who tells you that Kevin Owens didn't get the Grand Slam doesn't recognize what the Grand Slam is um so yeah whatever um yeah so I was hoping Seamus would get his Grand Slam and get his Wrestlemania moment but I think his Wrestlemania moment was just being in that high quality of a match. So, I think it was Mwah! Shots! Um. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So, they did that. The finish was insane. Gunther powerbombed Sheamus off of the back of Drew McIntyre, then powerbombed Drew. I was like, yo, the sit-up in the seat that I did? I was like, yo, ain't no way. I had to double sit-up. I was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa! They they got me me out of the seat. I ain't gonna lie, they got me out of the seat for that one. Gunther retain, which we expected him to. What's next for Sheamus and Drew? Rekindling their relationship, hopefully to have a feud with, uh, KO and Sammy. That would be cool. Um, rekind—did I say rekindling their feud? Rekindling their uh friendship. Um, Gunther should next should be Ilya. I think Ilya proved himself enough. Ilya and J D McDonough. I think that those two guys should come up together and like and they it would be very easy for them to do. Ilya comes up, oh bada boom, bada bloom, you know, you still I still slid on you back in UK, right? Still still took your title from you. Ended ended your streak there. So I can do it here too. And then uh JD McDonough would come out. I'm actually not done with you. So, if you're getting a title shot, go ahead and put me in there. Those three would kill this show. Um, I need them to give him his Jordan Devlin name back, though. While oh, they're giving names back. um, Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. The finish was crazy. Next for Gunther should be J.D., Ilya, Braun Breaker. Um, and the way they would tell the Braun Breaker story would actually be kind of interesting. And the way I think that they would do that is... Have Braun, you know, come out against Gunther and say, Hey we did did Braun and Gunther ever face off in NXT? Hold up. We're about to look it up. A uh, Braun Breaker versus Gunther. They did in an NXT championship match. Who won it though? Yeah. Braun won it, so i was i I thought they had faced off um, have braun come out, hey, you know, you beat those two, but you couldn't beat me, so run your championship, right, and then you know, Gunther put him down a peg, and then that's when they start to tell braun's story of kind of hey, you're not that guy up here braun getting used to being the main roster after running the nxt scene for a while kind of giving him that story arc of hey you're not that guy you know what i mean like don't have him lose a whole buttload don't have him do the theory thing either sorry that was allowed too don't have him do the theory thing the theory thing where you know theory won the briefcase just to not cash the winner of the briefcase should be gunther but Braun should come up and immediately lose his first feud. Braun Breaker should, whenever he gets called up, I think it should be against Gunther and I think he should get absolutely humbled in the worst way possible. Not squash, but just every attempt he makes to beat Gunther, he loses. And it, it shouldn't even really be close. Um, no interference from Imperium, he should lose clean. Because he should realize at this point, the story that they could tell is, I've been running this NXT scene and he's been up here running the main roster. And there's a difference. And in that time, he's gotten better. And now he's beating me. And now I can't hang with him. And that would be a cool story to see play out. Now, then we got... uh, We might have got Edge versus Balor next. I feel like we did, yeah. Edge versus Balor next. That match shorter than it needed to be. No, we got stupid freaking. We got Shane and uh, we got Shane and the Miz and them first. We sure did. We got Shane and the Miz and them. And then, first off, whoever decided, and this one I knew, this one I knew Vince was in the back. Vince was in the back, had to be. Because as soon as I saw Shane, ka ching, ka ching. Here come the money. Here come the money. Na, 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 na. Dollar, dollar. Dollar, dollar. Ka-ching, ka-ching. Bling. I was pissed. Because why is he here? Y'all did this whole build-up to uh, LA Knight not getting a WrestleMania moment. Bobby Lashley. Me, let me tell you something about Bobby Lashley, okay? Because he won the Andre the Giant. They had him come out and smile. And do his little... You know what I'm talking about? They had him do that. And I'm like, for what? You know what I mean? So, to me, it was whack. To me, at least. Because it was like, you could have put the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal on the card over this women's showcase. I would have taken it over the women's. I would have taken it over the men's. You could have put it in there. You know what I mean? They had plenty of time. And then, that's another thing. So, night one ended at 12, right? Uh, 12 EST. Yeah, Eastern Standard Time, 12 o'clock. Night 2 ended at like 11.30. That's another 30 minutes that something could have gone in that spot. And the reason for that was the Shane segment ran short. Um, Edge and Finn didn't go as long as it was going to go because Finn got cracked in that match. But yeah, so Shane comes out like a blundering buffoon. He comes out and he's doing his dance. And I guess the walk to the stage must have loaded his quads up for the craziest tear of all time. Because he went to run the ropes one time with The Miz. And. Boom. He does one jump. Bow! And they sold his WCW quad to WWE. Anyway. Uh. Miz lost again because Snoop decked him. And Snoop. Snoop dropped. Uh, Everybody was calling it the People's Elbow. I was calling it the Wrinkles Elbow. Because he was... <laughs> he took the glasses off. And he's just... And that's one thing I didn't personally like. Like, I think it was catching off of Snoop's uh mic. um Snoop's body mic. But you could hear the ref screaming Snoop People's Elbow, Snoop People's Elbow, Snoop People's Elbow. And I'm like, yo, to me, I already knew what was coming. You know what I mean? But they had to speed up the... I think Snoop only knew to punch the Miz. I think that was his improv. He saw that um, Shane got really hurt. And that was his, hey, you good, was improv. And then the punch was improv. But I don't think he knew what to do after that. You know what I mean? So I think that's why they were doing that. But still, I didn't like that I knew what was coming. But yeah, he hit the Wrinkles elbow, dropped the elbow, covered the Miz, which, again, didn't make sense because the match was with Shane. But you know, it was just supposed to be a little comedy spot. They could have had... They could have had L.A. Knight in that spot. Let's be, let's be honest here. They they could have definitely had L.A. Knight in that spot. And, that, and that's fine. I mean, you know, Beckers can't be choosers, but Bobby Lashley got 30 seconds. L.A. Knight got zero seconds. He wasn't even in the backstage thing. Like, he didn't even have a backstage segment. You know what I mean? So, to me, it's like, why is that? You know what I mean? So... That was crazy. That was insane. I personally, not feeling it. But, oh well. Right? Then we got uh, Edge and Finn. Edge and Finn both came out the brood Edge theme with the diamond head skull thing with the wings. And Edge looked fire. Edge looked ready for this match. Finn looked ready for this match he came out he crawled out he did his demon thing lsl and they made demon finn look so strong he was no selling like everything at the beginning no selling everything only thing i didn't like was the fireflies funhouse mcdonald's happy meals toys they had under the ring everything was a red or a purple and i hated that because it was like yes are those their main colors cool but at the same time why are y'all doing a like why why did y'all color the stuff under the ring if it's not going to be the theme of the pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Like, if it had been, like, the red and the yellow from WrestleMania and, like, everything... Not everything was like that. They had purple kendo sticks. Like, if it had been, like, the chairs, you know, um, I wouldn't mind it as much, you know, but purple ladders, purple kendo sticks, red ladders, red kendo sticks, red chairs, purple... Like, it didn't match anything. It just felt out of place. It felt wacky. It felt like a weird way to bring down a serious feud. And somebody... I was talking to somebody about this the other day. They were like, I don't like how Edge has been taking this feud so seriously. And I was like, well, they need to have Edge take this feud so seriously. Because if they're gonna launch Finn as the leader of the Judgment Day into the world title picture... And make the Judgment Day this dominant faction because I think that's I think everyone can agree that's the end goal for this, right? If they're gonna have him be the dominant guy, he has to take on someone who's serious and who's more serious than a former world champion Hall of Famer, right? So, uh, match comes out. What is it? Five minutes in, seven minutes in, eight minutes in, ten minutes in. Boom. Edge. Throws the ladder at Finn. I don't know if he got his hands up too late. I don't know if he missed with his hands, but it cracked him. And like, if you guys haven't seen the injury, go check it out. Um, it cracked him right in his skull, split him open. Split him open. He's leaked. They had to stop the match, literally mid match, to staple his head together. And that that's another thing I didn't like while we're while we're on this. Um at no point, at zero point, should they have continued that match. If Edge was supposed to go over, then have it be declared a no contest. You know what I mean? And I think I don't think there's any member of the wrestling fandom who would have been mad at a no contest there. Because me personally, I saw the blood. And it was coming from, like you could see it pooling up on the front of Finn's head. I would not have been mad if they canceled that match. If they If they had called it, yeah, I wouldn't have been mad. I would not have been mad if they called it or, you know, if Edge had uh continued to just... At that point, if if the new move is to switch and put uh Finn on the back burner and put Edge over because now Finn is cracked and you don't know when he's going to heal from... It was a split, y'all. Go check out the injury if you haven't already seen it. Um, I would make Edge look more deadly. The concerto, I know that, you know... Uh, Finn was a little bit limited more in what he could do because it was a head injury. But at the same time, if Finn's gonna go over at this point, he needed to do it strong. Uh, but the way they did it at the end was just kind of sloppy to me. I think Finn should have still gone over, even with the injury, or they should have just declared it a no contest because of the head injury, which I think again everyone would have been understanding of. But they didn't do that, so it's like, eh, what's kind of like what's the point? You know what I mean? So. Uh, they wrap it up with, after he's busted open, he's hit with a few more chair shots, hit with a few more kendo shots, he gets some shots off, um, he coup de gras off of the edge of the cell through the table, and then rolls, you know what I mean? So it's like, nah, it wasn't really like anything special towards the end of the match. The match for me fell flat on its face, three stars, arguably out of five, at two and a half maybe. Um, The Shane McMahon-Snoop Dogg thing only gets f- uh, half a star because of Snoop. If Snoop didn't save it, if Snoop just kind of blundered around, zero stars. Yeah, it was... Please stop bringing back Shane. And if there's one thing we learned this weekend from WrestleMania, it's stop bringing back the McMahons. Except Steph. We love Stephanie. We love Stephanie. Especially, I need her to come back and turn this women's division around. I need her to go up to her husband. Hello, excuse me. Um, yeah, you're writing these women wrong. Go ahead and let's do this. Mix something up. Make it like, like put your blessing on that Steph. because you came up with Team Bad and Team PCB and uh, what was the last team? Team Bad, Team PCB. There was another team. I feel like I don't know, but yeah, she came up with all the women's teams and launched the women's revolution, and now. Oh, Team, uh... Sonya Deville was a part of it. Sonya Deville, uh... Team... Was that the Riot Squad? Were they in the same thing? The Riot Squad Team PCB? I'm about to look it up. Yo, we're gonna do a lot of looking up on this podcast. I don't think you understand. The Riot Squad... Versus Team PCB. Becky, Charlotte Flair, and Ronda Rousey. Uh, team PCB WWE. Oh, it was um the Bellas and Alicia Fox was the third team. Okay. I couldn't remember who the third team was. But yeah. So we need more of the story was to that point, we need the women written better. Um the women just have not been in that good stories since uh that good of stories since Triple H got there. I don't know what it is, but um the the matches have been fire. Some of the matches, but as far as story goes, we haven't really gotten that quality story um, from the women yet that uh, that we needed. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. So then we got Bianca and Asuka. Which was whack. I- I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. This was one of those matches that I was entertaining because of the people in it. And it fell on its face. Fell on its face. Oh my goodness! It was so bad, dude. Like I don't think y'all understand just how bad this match was. Like there were spots that just they missed time, they miscued. I don't know what was going on, but it was very slow, very drawn out. This match was okay for the competitors in it. Like it was neither of their, like it was neither of their even top thirty matches ever you know what I mean, so, like, it was just kind of whatever, it just felt like a, a women's championship match, the only issue I had was with the finish, Asuka goes to blow or missed. uh, Bianca blocks it, or ducks from it, the ref doesn't see it, but does see it, and then doesn't see it, and Bianca gets the win, what, huh, Bianca gets the win, who does she fight now, like, for all of these like major storylines, I'm trying to tell you who they could go on to face next. Who does Bianca fight? Bianca's fought everybody. Now it looks like they're going to pair her with Rhea. Unify the titles, maybe? I don't know. But it looks like they're pairing her with Rhea. So... That's going to suck. But... Yeah, no big spots there, no big moments. It was just kind of a routine match. And, like, don't get me wrong, I like when wrestlers talk, okay? That's fine. You know what I mean? I don't mind that. At all. But for you to be that loud to where I know what spot is coming next and then botch the spot, it just kind of whacked to me. Like, it was it was full of botches. Like, not shotsy. Shotzi, Shotzi botched every move she was in in that women's showcase, by the way. If you don't believe me, go back and watch. Every single move she was in, she botched. And then they tried to make Natalia look strong. We haven't cared about Natalia since she was with Tyson Kidd and Cesaro, if we're being honest. um, Yeah, then we got the main event. I have not wanted to talk about this main event. I've been avoiding WWE, like... The WWE community, WWE TikTok, Twitter, uh, Instagram, you know, Discord, all that stuff. Because I have not wanted to talk about this main event. But it's the first episode of the podcast and I am kind of just winging it here. Um, Eventually there might be a format to these. I don't know. But yeah. This was... Probably about as great of a story for a match that you should expect. You know what I mean? Because it became, at some point in the match, it became a culmination of the Bloodline story as a whole. You know what I mean? Because, think about it. The match leading up to all the interferences was great. Um, Solo got his first interference. Solo gets chalked, gets kicked out by the ref. Cool. You know, you've got Cody and Roman. They're going back and forth. Neither is hitting their move. Neither is getting an upper hand. But they're both kind of, you know, they're both kind of doing exactly what their characters say they should do right now. Roman is taking presence in the ring, right? Because that's been Roman's thing this entire time. Um, Roman's taking presence in the ring. Cody is acting as the challenger who's battle ready he came out there like a politician, you know, kissing babies and you know saying hello and getting the crowd worked up, shaking hands and doing all that other stuff. Somebody said that online on Twitter, and I was like, "Hey, yo, that's kind of right. That's kind of right, though." But he did come out like a politician. He was shaking hands and every everybody thought he was gonna do it. Not me, but everybody. And the reason the reason why I don't think he was meant to do it, actually, let me just get to the end of the the match. So. Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman's work with this bloodline thing has been phenomenal. Paul Heyman's ability to play the kind of just slimy, just I'm now the council guy to get away with stuff now is great. And you can definitely see it late in the match. So, um, yeah, uh, Cody and Roman are going at it. Roman's, you know, again, dominating the space. Cody is showing that he's battle-tested, battle-ready, you know, pretty much backing up everything that he said in their promos leading up to this point, and it's great. Then the interferences start running, and you're like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, the interferences start running. I thought, I knew Cody was going to lose, but past a certain point, the interferences just kind of got to be too much, you know what I mean? And I guess I get it, but at the same time, I don't get it because... Jay and Jimmy come out right when it seems like Roman's about to lose. They super kick uh, Cody in the back of his head, which we've proven last night doesn't do shit, especially not to somebody in the world title match. Two super kicks. That's a kick out. Sure enough. Guess what he did? Kick out. Right. So boom. Clearly didn't work. Right. Then you get the Paul Heyman interference. And this point, uh, Sammy and KO have already chased off the Usos. So it's like, okay, cool. We got our interference. This is the adversity Cody had to overcome. So now Cody's going to take the win. And this is the only time where I thought I was wrong, in my opinion, of Roman winning. I was like, hold up. Cody might have this shot. Because they sent Solo already interfered. Solo in- interfered beginning of the match. So I'm thinking, okay, he's not going to interfere now. There's no, There's no shot. There's no way. They keep wrestling for, like, a, a hot second. Cody has now hit two of these crossroads on Roman, right? Which, again, the crossroads is supposed to be his finisher, you know? The crossroads is his finisher, and, well, I guess now it's his signature, and the three crossroads is his finisher? I don't know, personally. I don't know. But, um, yeah. So, he's throwing the the crossroads down he's doing all that stuff and then boom Heyman on the rope, and I'm like okay Heyman's gonna interfere now but I'm thinking it doesn't matter because Cody's gonna hit this crossroads and Roman's gonna be laid out right nope Cody's backed into the corner for whatever reason and here comes Solo bow and that's the only issue I had with Roman retaining is that I'm gonna get into more of why I think Roman retaining was the right idea in a second, but I think that Cody getting all of that interference was just unnecessary, you know what I mean? You told the story with the Usos and KO and Sammy. Cool, I get it. Solo already interfered. Paul Heyman now has interfered. How much interference does Roman need? You know what I mean? Like Yes. Is he a heel? Yes. Should he win clean all the time? No, you're a heel. I don't expect you to. But at the same time, it's like, after all of that interference, Paul Heyman's interference should be more than enough for Roman to just rake the eyes. Rake the eyes, something to catch Cody off guard, instead of a whole Samoan spike, which they've been protecting that move. I don't know if you guys have noticed, when Solo does it, they're protecting that move. Solo does it, it almost always results in a pinfall and a win, depending on who he's going up against. Or if he's interfering and he does a, a Samoan spike, it works. So, boom, solo spike, rebound spear, um, which I love seeing Roman Reigns hit. That rebound spear, he just, oh my goodness. It might be the way people sell it, but that rebound spear is just chef's kiss. One, two, three. he stands tall. At this point, it's 1130. The Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal could have easily been in this spot. Because you don't have to do the... It's not the Royal Rumble. You don't have to count down the 90 seconds for each person. You know what I mean? So you're not taking an additional 45 minutes just to introduce everyone to the ring. They all start in there. And some of them are going to be cannon fodder right off the rip. You know what I mean? So the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal could have easily been on this card. Um... L.A. Knight could have easily had a match. If they wanted L.A. Knight to be with L.A. Knight versus Pat McAfee, I would have been there. I would have been in there. Oh, my goodness. I don't think you guys understand. L.A. Knight versus Pat McAfee. If Pat McAfee had returned and The Miz was like, well, I actually got somebody who's ready to fight you, and they brought out um, L.A. Knight. Or L.A. Knight had come out on day two and said, I'll fight you, Miz. And The Miz was like, actually, it's going to be. And it had been literally anybody. I would have been happy. But LA Knight got no burn, and LA Knight is one of the most over people in the company right now. Insane, insane to me. Huge missed opportunity. Night two as a whole match of the night uh, was the triple threat. Performer of the night was uh, Gunther. Uh, as as a whole, if I gave Night One a four point five or a four. Knight 2 gets a 3, if we're being honest. If I'm giving uh Knight 1 a 8.5 out of 10, then Knight 2 gets a 7. It was just, it was night and day. Oh my goodness. The only thing that keeps Knight 2 so high is the fact that I think that I, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt on the Edge-Finn match, even though Edge won and I wanted Finn I think that if the injury doesn't happen, it goes a different way. So I'm giving them. I'm not even counting that match really. um, And then the triple threat was just so good that I have to give it the benefit of the doubt. Um. But yeah, so let's actually get into why Roman retained because I think this is a question that a lot of people have been asking and I've been answering, but I don't think a lot of people have. Understood, or I think a lot of people are just listening to me to respond and not listening to hear what I'm saying. So, this is my space to be able to give you guys, you know, my opinions on things. It's like my own little personal journal on things. I think that Roman retained because Cody's character isn't ready. Cody's character, this far, thus far, and I've been saying it, I've been saying it because. Put yourself in my shoes, right? Uh, Put yourself in Cody's shoes, actually. Cody got injured, which is out of his control, and I'm not faulting him for that. He was putting on amazing matches against Seth Rollins. And up to this point, if Cody didn't get injured, I think it's no question that he walks away from Mania as the champ. Regardless, Screw Roman's a thousand days at that point. If Cody is consistently wrestling all of those months that he missed, because he missed what? LNSL was when? August? August, July? One of the two. One of those two, and then he missed all the way up until January. If he's wrestling all that, you're telling me Cody Rhodes isn't over enough to win the Rumble? He could have won the Rumble from any spot, and I would have been cool with it. But Cody won the Rumble from 30, right? Which is fine. Whatever. Plenty of people do it. You can't control where you got put. You know, and it... Oh, it's scripted, so... That's fine. Don't care. Not even going to fault him for coming out at 30. Wins the Rumble, right? His entire thing is finishing his dad's story, right? And people are saying, like, oh, he didn't uh face enough adversity. And, and then people's response to that is the injury is the adversity. Not enough adversity to beat someone going on three years. Be for him. Be for him. Um People are saying that uh by saying he didn't face enough adversity... People are forgetting about his first run. No. Because the the reality of it is, the reality of it is, Cody's first run, he was, what, a tag champ? An intercontinental champ? Did Stardust ever win the Intercontinental Championship? Cody did, though, right? Uh, let's see. We're looking it up again, guys. Uh, like I said, this is going to be Stardust IC champ. Yeah, he did win it. What's the Intercontinental Champions? Yeah, and then people were trying to compare... Oh no, Zack Ryder won that Intercontinental Championship. So Cody never won it? Hmm, that's interesting. I don't know why I thought Cody won it. Oh, he did win it. He he won it as Cody. I thought I don't know why I thought he won it as Stardust. Nah, he's already gone at that point. Um, yeah. So Cody was an Intercontinental Champion. People were trying to compare Cody to Drew McIntyre, um, from his first run, and I'm like, no, not even close because Cody Cody had multiple titles. Um was his character bad? Yes. I I personally like Stardust. But people didn't like Stardust. Stardust was objectively like bad, like and I get it. Like the the people making the argument that Stardust is not a good character, I 1 million percent agree with. The the argument is a valid argument. I like Stardust just because to me he kind of had a Joker feel to him a little bit kind of like a you know why is everybody taking this so serious and then boom he'd be aggressive as hell and it was like it was so cool to see right but um Cody didn't face you know as much adversity in his first run as Drew Drew was cannon fodder the entire time 3&B was a joke Drew rebuilt himself and Cody did the exact same thing but the difference is the difference is when Drew came back Drew ran NXT, and a lot of people forget that. Drew put in all that time. Cody did not. Cody Cody won those matches against Seth, yes. He had one feud under his belt. And think about it. At this time, now you're coming back to a situation where you're not the most overfaced. You were when you came back, but now you're not. It's Sami Zayn. So you already had people calling for you to not even fight Roman for the title. You already had people calling for them to split the titles just so somebody else could take the universal title and you take the WWE one that you wanted so bad. So it's like, there's all of that. And then you add into the fact that if Cody would have won, y'all would be pissed. And let me explain why. So WWE and wrestling in general has this weird thing where if people fantasy book and it doesn't go the way they fantasy booked it, they're mad. And I'm one of those people, so I can say that. But, um, yeah, Cody wins, right? He finished his father's story. But where does he go from here, right? He would have people coming after him for the title, yes. But what what reason would he have to build himself up? You're a face, right? So heels heels can do the underhanded stuff when approaching you for the title. When you're the face, you're supposed to be building yourself up as the hero that the crowd needs, right? At least that's what I imagine in my head. You're building yourself up as the as the face that the crowd needs. You're the hero. You're the guy that's fighting for them. You're the guy that's doing all this stuff. However, his entire championship run was, I want to win this for my dad, right? And it would have been a beautiful moment, I think. Amazing moment. But then what? <laughs> but then what? Because now Cody has no character. After that, Cody has literally zero character. After that kaput nothing he has not zilch nada he has nothing so it's like to me i like that they kept the belt off of cody for now i think cody will be the next world champion if i had to pick somebody there's nobody else that i'm picking i'm not stupid i think he will get it i just don't think now was the time and i'm glad they didn't pull the trigger on it too early um yeah that that's pretty much my explanation as to why cody shouldn't want because his character would have been stale after that. Because it was it would have just been, I'm defending this the the championship because I have to. And generic face stuff. And nobody wants a generic face from somebody that WWE has been building to be the face. You know what I mean? Um. WrestleMania as a whole is confusing me. Again, I'm gonna continue to say it. I think just because I loved night one. Loved it. Overall, in total, I'd probably give it a four out of five stars in terms of pay per view. Uh no, wait, a thirty point five out of five stars and in terms of pay per view. Night one carries and probably a, a eight out of ten on, on pay per view scale. Um just because night one, like <sighs> night two was just you could tell who was in control. And then the raw after just proved it. I didn't even watch the raw after. Riddle came back, but nobody knew debuted and all this other stuff. It was just it was a mess. It was a mess, you guys, truthfully. Um Yeah, that's gonna do it for my first episode. Um I appreciate anybody who took the time to listen to this. Um I definitely was nervous, I can say that. But anything pop culture, music, uh, sports, anime, we're going to be talking about it all. Every Friday, we're going to be here, you know, uh, talking about crazy shit. So feel free to, you know, kind of get comfy with me. These are my personal journals and my thoughts and all this other stuff. And I want to be as open as I can be, as uncensored without you guys having to hear a whole bunch of ums and a whole bunch of and so and yeah and um and um and um so you know i definitely was nervous but i feel like i handled it well i appreciate you guys coming by and that was a blurred take on wrestlemania 39 baby have a good night.